Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Pate. I finally got me some intro music, which was actually supplied to me from my podcast hosting company. And the name of this tune happens to be called Live Your Dreams. So I thought it was appropriate for me to start off Marvelous Motivating Monday with this tune. And I ask that you guys sit back, relax, and hopefully be motivated by this Monday, Marvelous Motivating Monday episode. Hey everybody, I am so glad to be back. I needed to take the month of April off, but I'm going to tell you there was so much happening in the news. So let me just get this off my chest because today is Marvelous Motivating Monday and there's so much going on in America right now and I am angry about the killings constantly and the racism constantly is getting worse and worse, whether it's take our votes away or just try to make us not feel like we're valued. So to be um, unbiased, I decided when I come back this May, and this is my first episode, I wanted to try to do something totally different because one of the goals I always mention in my episodes is I want to be a bridge to make things better. So instead of coming out angry and mad about so much that's happened, I decided I'd start back up with something different and let this whole week be about African-American people showing the world not just their value, but how we really interact with especially the Caucasian Americans right now and how we are always trying to just belong. And it's really unfortunate we have to feel that way. But the reality is we're going to be here. We're not going anywhere. So I want to do a different twist with this week's episodes for today. For Marvelous Motivating Monday, I want to talk about motivating black influencers. And it's so funny because all three of the subjects that we're going to talk about this week are all based on me flipping through channels, just happened to catch some interviews. So for today, I'm going to give you the lineup for this week. So I want to show mainly Caucasian Americans that Black Americans, we're strong, we're resilient, we're powerful. We are contributors to America more than a lot of you. I mean, I hate to say it, but the facts are the facts. So I want to give you some episodes this week to let you see how we are intertwined with you, whether you like it or not, and we're positive with the intertwinedness. So let me tell you what the episodes this week are going to be. Today, for Marvelous Motivating Monday, I just happened to be turning on the Bloomberg channel, talk, looking at stocks, and they were interviewing a guy who was a TikTok influencer, and he was talking about racism and social media branding. I'm not that big on social media. I mean, since the podcast, of course, I've had to be, but I really didn't know that much about influencers. I know a lot of people were discovered on social media and YouTube and TikTok and all that, but 
from what this guy was saying, and you're going to hear some of the interview because I'm going to play it, but I'm going to read some things about it. What he was saying was how racism is even affecting social media influencers, how a person who has more followers can be given a deal for 10,000, but a, a, excuse me, a person of color, let me get that clear. But a white person with half or less followers can get three times the amount, which is ridiculous. So when I heard it, I said, let me, let me listen to this and I'm going to play part of the interview that I have. And the interview is actually talking to the gentleman they were talking to initially. And, uh, I, his name is Landon Moss. And then they brought another woman in who was like a big factor of this whole thing. Her name is Karen Spencer and she's a chief marketing officer with a company that decided they wanted to go on and create some type of environment to allow black branding, black social media branding and influencers get the money and recognition they deserve because they've been cheated out of it. So she's the chief marketing officer for a company called Whaler. So we're going to really celebrate this because this is a whole project. And I'm going to tell you about the whole project and it's actually called, it's the first house for black influencers out of Los Angeles. And it's actually called the crib around the corner. So check out the crib around the corner, but I just want to talk about it before I let you hear the audio of the interview. And it was really, really interesting because, you know, the word influential, because you have to be influential to be a successful influencer. And it means having great influence on someone or something. And it also talks about having um, an impact on something and shaping how people act and how things occur. And it's powerful and, and authoritative. And so we know, like I said, I don't have to be a social media person to realize how important social media is. And when you hear about the African-American uh, industry, how we're like a trillion dollar shopping industry, which is supposed to be the biggest, if I'm not mistaken. And if I am, correct me out of all uh, cultures. So we are definitely influential, yet those who are influencers are not getting the money that they deserve. And they're finding out their counterparts are getting twice and sometimes three times the amount. So this woman, I, I was really impressed with what she did. Her name is Karen Spencer. And she's worked with traditional celebrities like Ashton Kusher, Tyra Banks, Casey Nestat, and Emma Chamberlain. I don't even know who they are, but anyway, <laughs> you know, so she joined this company called Whaler in February 2020 as its first ever senior vice president of partnership. So she says she wanted to, she hopes to inspire and represent the future of leadership in the influencer industry. And she said the crib around the corner is a crucial example that spotlighting traditional marginalized talent is not just a moral imperative. It's a business opportunity. Now, see, look at it. Even though she looked at it as a business opportunity, it's going to help a lot of people get ahead. And she says she authentically engaged with and equitably compensate creators of all kinds and their audience follows. She also said that they're encouraged that after a year of pain and progress for the Black Lives Matter movement, there is more interest than ever before. 
from brand partners who want to contribute to the collaboration with young, gifted talent like the Crib cast, and they are all black. Now, I don't know that much about the influence, uh, the social media influencers, but they were talking about the cast. So what it is, AT&T TV's become the official overall brand for this partnership with the crib around the corner. It's called TikTok's first all-black creator house. So I don't know what all that means, but they were talking about the people who... um or a part of this, I don't know if it's a reality show or not, because it's not very clear. I know it's based out of Los Angeles, but they were talking about these black people who have over a million followers, and several of them have four, uh, four million, two point four million. Yet they're getting people with less followers more money. So that's kind of crazy. I just really don't understand why even in something as minor is social media i mean not my let me let me back up i don't want to mean in less influential i mean that's like the free spirit isn't it of everyone so to me i would think people are less racist and i know that sounded naive but i would think i don't know i just i'm just looking at it as the younger people i'm just going to say what i'm personally thinking the young people they have stepped up they have they have come together and the fact that these young people are still having racism and just uh trying to get the brands out there and obviously they're influential because they got the followers and they can't even get a fair shake at that 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 saddens me let me just say that you know and the thing is karen was talking about these influence that I just mentioned, um, their names, if y'all know them, they're uh, TikTokers. I don't do TikTok, but Dare Ajabar, 1 million followers. And if I mispronounce the names, forgive me. Dan Muthama, 2.4 million. Layla, Layla Quasim, excuse me for that. Um, she has 2.4 million. Now listen to this. These are million followers, right? Stacy Theru, 1.4 million, and Shalon Treshawn, 4 million. Now, these are the people that are going to be staying in this house. So, Whaler and 13th, um, they partnered up, AT&T's doing the whole thing, and they were saying that um, they did not give these influencers a brief. They just gave them the product, and they said, please make an announcement that works for you guys. And it's unheard of to see a Fortune 10 company not only sponsor a house of all black content creators, but then letting them do what they do best without a dry brand brief and a lot of client edits back and forth. So what they're doing is I don't know what creations they have and what it's all about. But from my understanding, they're, they're just letting them be who they are. And I think that's important. And the female members um, have signed a collective deal with MAC Cosmetics, which is extremely big. And they were saying that um, their hope and involvement would likewise push other brands to support up-and-coming Black movers and makers. And the crib creators that are in this house, they hope the initiative will boost their own careers and carve a path for other black movers and makers. Now, here's a few quotes from three of them. 
Black people are prejudged before anybody gives us the chance to show them anything about us. A lot of black creators are set up for failure on the spot. Now that's what Trishan says. We have to fight to be noticed. That's really sad. Another one of the uh, creators in the house says, we're low key, a force to be reckoned with. This is Dan uh, Muthama. And he adds, brands have always seen white creators as more marketable. But if they put people who represent others in the right rooms, it would spark a movement. And that's what I was saying before, you know, we are a trillion dollar industry and we do want to see people that look like us so we can spend money to support not only the brand, but the person representing the brand. And then there's a third uh, quote saying, I joined the crib because I felt like it was an opportunity to build my own career and an opportunity for us as a collective to showcase young black talent. That's uh, Ajabir. That's what Ajabir says. These are last names I'm mentioning. I'm just reading it literally as it was quoted. I understand the importance of representation, and I feel like the crib is going to be that for a lot of people. So those are quotes from three of the people that are in the crib, and I just thought it was important to just let you hear what they were saying and why they decided to participate in this. Wow, this is so big. And like I said, I never heard of none of this, but I just thought it was interesting enough to uh, talk about it. And, you know... Uh, the, the company, Whaler, says they, they're just hoping to inspire and represent the future leadership in the influence industry, you know, and the crib around the corner is a crucial example of the spotlight, like I said, talent. So I really and truly want people to check that out if you're into TikToking. But I think the thing that I want to really, really talk about is that it's really important to show respect and support of these influencers. Because as I mentioned, we are trillion. We spend trillions of dollars. So right now, a lot of African-Americans, and I can speak for myself, I want to support black businesses and black branding. But I want the Fortune 500 companies and the companies like AT&T and them to continue to show support and what better way than to have people that look like the people you're trying to uh, get to buy the products? You know, don't give your branding people uh, $10,000 because they're black and $35,000 because they're white. That's not even cool, even if they had the same amount of followers. But it's more insulting when they don't have the same amount of followers. As you will hear in this interview that I said I just happened to be changing the channel and it was on um, Bloomberg Network, News Network, BNN. And I was like, okay, let me just take this so you guys can really understand what's happening in the social media world, which is kind of crazy. But we cannot. One of the things, as I said this week, I want to do is I want to show the world that African-Americans are vital. We, we are not going anywhere. We're powerful. We're strong. We're intelligent. We're talented. We're creative. And I want to use this week to show you that just by these three subjects that we're going to talk about. Because on Wednesday, 
Wonderful Women Wednesday. I'm going to talk about this amazing woman, and I want you to hear her song. And her name is Mickey Guyton, and she's uh, she's taking country music by storm. And yes, she's black. So once again, enter into another genre that, of course, white people that are country music fans aren't all happy that she's joining the genre, but she's holding her own. And then on Friday, on Fantastic Fellow Friday, I want to talk about a black man who was representing the country of France. And I knew nothing about him, but as I said, I was flipping through the channels and I saw this show that kind of freaked me out with the title because I was like, oh, wait, let me see what this is about. And it was a show. It was talking about the greatest athletes of all time. And I was like, okay, let me see what this is about. And it was called The Immortals. And he is an African-American representing France. And he's the number one judo championship champion of all times so you know that's an industry that most of the people that were champions were asian and just like mickey the country music industry is white and just like what i'm talking about now the influencers now are being helped by big industries that want to experience being behind uh major uh, influencers who are African-American. So those are three different subjects that normally are not dominated by blacks or not even welcoming to blacks. So we're showing once again that we can fit in and we can fit in and not only well, we can fit in and rise above and be superior to what is expected of us. So those are positive things. And I'm hoping this week with so much anger and, 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 and negativity towards us that those who are not African-American can understand that we're a positive force in this country. We're a positive force in this world. And we just want, we just want to survive. You know, we want to survive. We want to thrive. We want to share our talents and our skills and our gifts without being afraid of backlash or not getting supported. So check out this interview. And as I said, this is with the woman who is behind this and the gentleman who brought it up. So check this out. Right, then it's not a new problem. Uh, the influencer industry is rapidly growing in power and profit. And unfortunately, we're following in the same footsteps that have been set up in so many other industries. Uh, but what we're facing in this industry is not just the societal systemic racism, but algorithmic racism. And so black creators and other creators from traditionally marginalized groups are facing a number of hurdles in order to be seen by brands, to be discovered and hired by brands. And as Landon mentioned, sometimes when um, you're having a good day, you're a black creator and you've been reached out to by a brand to be hired, it feels like a great day for you because you've been offered $10,000. But what you're not aware of because you don't have a full transparency over the industry is that a standard market rate for whatever that brand may be asking you to do is actually $30,000. But if you haven't been given the opportunity to um, become a part of the pipeline that is the influencer industry as it's being set up with connections to proper representatives and um, connecting to brands who understand that they need to pay equitably, then at the end of the day, you've made $10,000 and that may feel like a great day for you, but what you're not seeing, like 
Landon said, is that other creators on the same campaign are making ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars more than you are. So, so we're doing Landon. Go, go ahead, Karen. Sorry, I was just going to say you had asked what we're doing um, on our end to stop this. And one thing that we've done is uh, produce the first house for influencers in Los Angeles for black creators specifically. So as you've seen the growth of TikTok into being the world's most popular app in 2020, we also saw an emergence of uh, collaborative houses for creators where they all live and work together and make content together and benefit from cross-leveraging each other's audiences and benefit from group brand deals. What we at Whaler saw was that this uh, type of opportunity was not being provided to black creators. So uh, we cast uh, five black creators from across the country and moved them into a house in Los Angeles. It's called The Crib Around the Corner. Uh, they are on TikTok. That is their name that they chose for the house. And in just okay. three months, they've gotten um, millions of views. So Landon, I'm curious, one of the things you said in the story earlier really struck me where you, you said that you don't necessarily always feel like you can be yourself or that you have to put on this happy face. And I'm curious, what are you doing about this? Uh, and, and do you feel like you have to be someone different than who you really are? Or are you rejecting that notion altogether? Well, I, I think that stems from, um, I mean, yeah, I've been doing that. And I think a lot of black people do that. It's called code switching. Uh, where there's a certain you that you can present in public to um, make sure that you don't make anybody uncomfortable. And it it's not, it, you know, it's not just in the workplace. It's also on social media and stuff because, you know, like what's considered marketable is a certain view, especially as a black person. Um, and so for the longest for me, from like 2013 until about 2020, like mid pandemic was when I was doing that. I mean, it was I was. I would look at myself and I'm like, I don't even recognize who this person is. Like, I'm trying to be all squeaky clean all the time, which, I mean, it, it's part of me, but it's not all of me. Um, and so I began, I began to get, like, more comfortable um, expressing who I really was and showing all sides of me. And I realized, like, people are a lot more attracted to authenticity. Maybe not brands, but your um, audience. So that's, you know, that, that to me, that was the most important thing. But I know there's going to be some type of loss. That is... That is uh, so eloquent, the way you said that. It's part of me, but not all of me. I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Uh, TikTok content creator Landon Moss, Karen Spencer of Whaler. So fascinating to hear what you're working on um, and how you're working to change the industry. Really appreciate you uh, both taking the time to join us. All right. Coming up. See, that's what I'm talking about. And, you know, Landon made a point, and I think Dr. John Umar Johnson talked about this as well, how African-Americans have to be two people all the time, especially if they work outside of home or in corporate America. I know in my law firm now, ironically, I'm 24-7 the same way, but I do realize that there's certain tones I have to adjust to. And sometimes me being myself, they don't like it because you're considered um, angry black woman, I guess, in my case, or, you you know, you're asking too much. You need to quiet it down and see one of the things I always say, you know, I've been in many meetings where I'm the only one that looks like me. And we're talking about meetings with 20 or more people. And so some things they may say that affects uh, what their opinion of black people are, are incorrect. Who else is going to speak up? 
if I'm the only one in there. So, of course, I'm going to. And I have. You know, I've been at my firm for over 24 years. And I've been in plenty of meetings that they just rolled her eyes and say, oh, here she go. And, yep, I would tell them. God knew what he was doing when he put me in these groups and in these meetings and to be influential with administrative at a firm as as large as mine, because, you know, a lot of people don't understand everything in America. Eventually, no matter how you look at it, comes down to money. I don't care. I mean, I believe, trust me, I believe that God takes care of everything. That's just me personally. And a lot of people, I'm spiritual and I love God. And a lot of people have their own different beliefs. I believe that. However, I also believe that man is about that money no matter what. And will do almost anything to get it. Not all men. I'm talking about a general statement of man. And the reason why I'm saying that is I watch How someone who makes no money, like in the industry of mine, ignorant, uneducated, but are not, um, well, let me just put it out there, that are white, do everything wrong under the sun and keep a job. But then you'll have a black person who speaks correctly, educated, respectful, trying to do above and beyond, and they'll be the first ones in the layoff. You know, I see it all the time. I see un- unskilled people and the legal industry is very specific and very, uh, you got to, to survive, you got to be a little smart. <laughs> you know, even, even those who are just a, a family friend that got hired with no background, you got to be a little smart. And I watch how, you know, we do, include myself, have to sometimes make some adjustments And it's hard, especially if you're making an adjustment. Now, I'm not going to, now me personally, I've never made an adjustment that was totally up disbelief to what I believe. I'm just not doing that because I do want to look in the mirror and enjoy what I've done and always ask God to uh, help me with my words. Because if he doesn't, I would have been fired a long time ago. I'll just put it like that. So those are the type of things. But I've seen people say and do things that, I could never get away with. And I tell them, you can say all that. I'm not going to respond in public because they're only hear my response, not what you say. So we do have to constantly. So I can imagine them saying that in branding. But like the gentleman said, before I got the recording, they were talking about some of the craziest things branders and influencers have done and got big deals. But if they had been black, not only would they not got a deal they may have gotten um, suspended from being on TikTok. I have never been on TikTok, so I have no idea about the platform. But the point is to be an influencer and to be cheated out of money because of what you look like. In spite of, I thought the whole point of influencers is by followers, so you're having all the criterias sometimes double, and you're still losing money. So I just wanted to talk about this because. I knew nothing about this. And when I saw this, I thought it was important because the young people are the ones that's going to shape how this world turns out in all countries. But in America, the young people, all races, all backgrounds, they have to come together because right now, especially in America, it is really scary. It is scary. Racism is (laughs) systemic is an understatement and it's strong. So what I'm trying to do for these first three uh, episodes this week, 
I want to show non-African American people how strong African American people are, how contributive we are, how we can make things better. But just give us a chance. We're not even asking for an upper hand and all that. We just want fair ground, you know, and I hate to say it. It seems like everybody's afraid to give us fair ground because we may excel. And the thing is, if we win, you win too anyway. So everybody can't win, but those who win for the betterment of all, it's a win-win. So I just wanted to say that, and I just thought this was interesting. Like I said, I don't know anything about influencers, excuse me, influencers. Um, you know, I know there's people out there like Black China and, and all the other people that were famous for, I guess, being on social media. So I just want the world and America especially to just hear these episodes and and just give us a chance because from the three episodes I am going to do this week, including this one, you will see that African Americans are gifted, talented, and, and they're part of entertaining you as well. You know, the next episode that I'm going to do, I love the fact that this young lady made a song that really tells what it is and you know, I just want you guys to just try to open up your hearts and let's get America back into a state where we can agree to disagree, but don't be trying to kill each other or, or beat each other up just because uh, you don't like what we look like. So that's all I'm going to say about this episode. Before I do my closeout, I want to mention an article that was done on September 23rd, 2020, and I found it on NPR.org. And this is just to prove my point about money, especially in America, and these influencers being left out of making money. This is what racism, according to NPR, there's an article that says, the cost of racism, U.S. economy lost $16 trillion. Hear that? Trillion. Because of discrimination, the bank says. I just want to read this real quick. Citigroup estimates the U.S. economy has lost $16 trillion over the past 20 years as a result of discrimination against African Americans. Nationwide protests have cast a spotlight on racism and inequality in the United States. Now a major bank has put a price tag on how much the economy has lost as a result of discrimination against African Americans, which is $16 trillion. They're quoted as saying, we believe we have a responsibility to address current events and to frame them with an economic lens in order to highlight the real cause of longstanding discrimination against minority groups, especially against black people, and particularly in the United States. And that was written by Raymond J. McGuire, McGuire a vice chairman at the bank and the chairman of his banking capital markets and adversary, excuse me, advisory team. See, I mean, look at that. That's what I'm saying. Discrimination lost $16 trillion. We can all get a piece of the financial pie. That's what this, this episode is about. Well, guys, this will end this episode. And I hope that the information that you received is inspiring, uplifting, and informative. As I always say, 
Follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in Advocacy, capital L as in Ladies. And you can follow us on many of the podcast apps. We are on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, Alexa TuneIn, and of course, my hosting podcast company, Podbean. If you have any questions or subjects you want us to look into, give us a call. We're at 404-855-7723, or you can send us an email at podcasthostshaypate19 at gmail.com. And you know my favorite question is, what do you have to say? Thank you for listening.